going to be looking tonight at the, uh, at the story of Easter told through the lens of the prophet Isaiah. We've been spending the last number of weeks going through the book of Isaiah and looking at an amazing story of, uh, of how God interacts with his people, what his agenda is, and uh, how he invites us to respond to him. And so this is the last of that series. And so we're going to be looking at a little bit of Isaiah 61 and then looking at Isaiah 53. So Easter is a time to remember what Jesus has done for us. Uh, maybe Christmas gets all the billing and a lot more uh, popular socially. But really, for the Christian, the primary celebration of the year is uh, Good Friday and Easter. There's a summary in Isaiah 61 that describes what Jesus has done for us, what the suffering servant, as he's referred to in Isaiah, what he's done for us. And I'm just going to read out that portion but in Luke chapter 4, because it's repeated in Luke chapter 4, and this is what it says. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, this is Jesus speaking, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If you want to know what Jesus Christ is about, what his agenda is, it's come to bring, he comes to bring freedom and life and healing to us. It's an amazing to have a God who exercises his power, not on his own behalf, but on our behalf. So as he comes to bring healing and freedom, what did that look like? Well, the primary way that Isaiah describes the uh, looking forward to the work of Jesus describes him as a suffering servant. And listen to this description in Isaiah 53. You've already, we've already read it in responsive reading. Let's look at two verses in particular. It says, He was despised and rejected by mankind. This is the king of the world, the one who created us, who called life into being. He was despised and rejected by those he created. A man of suffering, and familiar with pain. Pain was not a fresh experience for him. He was familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. Can you imagine a person who you wouldn't even want to look at? That's who our Lord and Savior is. And we held him in low esteem. There was nothing impressive about him. If you would have passed him by in the street, you probably would have ignored him. But he was pierced for our transgressions, for our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. What a shocking description of who this king is, one who would suffer on our behalf. Just take a look at these few images, if you can to understand what Jesus went through. What these images do is they tell us an incredible truth. And it's this, that you are worth suffering for. 
you are worth suffering for. The, the pictures that we see, the verses that we read in Isaiah 53, what is going on in the back of the mind of the Lord Jesus is he says, my people are worth suffering for. Now, who are we that he would suffer for us? Who are we? Uh, what I'd like you to do, we're in the middle right now, uh, Debbie and I and uh, some of our extended family, we're right now in the, in the middle of trying to bring over a refugee, originally from Eritrea. He had undergone incredible suffering and torture. He's in Israel right now, and he's, we're looking to sponsor him. There's five of us who are looking to sponsor him to bring him over. And so and over the last number of months, I've been uh, going over paperwork with Debbie and I about how to apply for somebody to be a refugee to come to Canada. So imagine that you were a refugee claimant, that you wanted to come to Canada as a refugee. And what you needed to do was you needed to fill out some paperwork and describe what you are like. So let's read our application. I am uneducated. I will not bring anything of value into your country. I've committed crimes against my home country. I'm still in jail for those crimes. My disabilities prevent me from working. Not only will I not pay taxes, I will be a burden to Canadians. I'm depressed, enslaved, and hopeless. I have been denied admission to other countries. I am your Prime Minister's lost son. When we look over this list, what we see is someone who is poor, imprisoned, blind, and enslaved. What we read about in Luke chapter 4. Those, we can glance over those words and think that they're kind of cute and interesting, being poor and imprisoned. But what you see on your screen now is what it really means. And uh, this is no commentary, of course. I don't have any inside scoop on our Prime Minister. There's uh, nothing going on. This is just an analogy. But what is the one reason why Jesus would want us in his kingdom, that he would suffer and die for us, is that we are his lost sons and daughters. This is how we're described in Luke chapter 15, where we read about the prodigal son and the father eagerly awaiting his homecoming. It's you and I. Um, I. I think about getting a gift that I, I, I've been meditating on, receiving a gift that I don't deserve. And uh, the best analogy that I could come up with is something that happened when I was, uh, when I was quite young. Uh, as most of you here know, my father had multiple sclerosis for a number of years. He died when I was 16 years old. The years before that, he spent a number of years in a wheelchair, uh, barely able to speak. And the years before that, he just had, was slowly deteriorating. And so there was a particular Christmas that stood out in my mind. And uh, it was at a time in his, uh, in his journey where his hands didn't really quite work anymore. 
It was hard for him to walk. It was hard for him to speak. And uh, as a young kid, I'm, I'm super excited about Christmas. And what I received, I, had, I got one Christmas present. And uh, you'll think it's kind of corny, but I thought it was super cool back in the day. If you can flash up that cartoon thing. What it was, was uh, this isn't, of course, exactly it, because I'm remembering something that happened over 40 years ago. But it, the idea was, is that you had these, uh, these molds, and there were a bunch of, of cartoon figures. And then what you would do is you'd mix up this solution and pour the solution inside of the mold and then pull apart the mold and then you'd have this cartoon figure that you could paint and whatever. I just thought this was the coolest thing ever. So I get this, uh, I get this gift and uh, there's only so many packages. And this was ordered from, I don't know where it was ordered from, but you don't just, there was no Toys R Us. You can't just go get more packages. So I had, I think it, there was four packages of this solution to pour into these molds. And so uh, I'm just a little kid. I never thought to ask anybody for help. And so I'm mixing up the solution and I pour it into the first mold and it just runs out. I go, oh man, I've got three left. I do it again. I, I take out the next package. I, I pour it, mix it in the bowl, pour it into the mold. Again, it runs out. I'm a little slow. So I do it the third time and again, it doesn't set. So I have one last packet. And so I mix it up this time, make sure it's a little bit drier than the other ones. And I pour it into the mold and it looks like it's going to work. It starts to set. And so what I do is I set it up uh, in the bathroom uh, and just wait for it to solidify. I come back into the bathroom about an hour later and uh, I go to see how it's, see whether it's set and it's not there. And so I look, and somebody had threw it into the garbage can. And I am so upset. So I come out, and I say to my family, who threw my, I don't even know what it's called, who threw this into the garbage can? I can't believe that you would do this. And so my dad says, I did. And I go up to my dad, and I just holler at him. I go, do you know, this is the only present that you gave me, and I try my best to, you know. And, uh, and I, was, I, I, I hollered at my dad. I don't ever remember doing that before then or after then. I was so angry, and I stormed away. I think I had to go to the bathroom an hour or so later, and I go back into the bathroom, and... Uh, my dad had taken the mold and the, the mixture that was half congealed, and he had tried to stuff it back into the mold to save it so that I could have this little figurine. And uh, there's no way that it was going to work. It was half dried already. And, but he had, he had, and you can imagine my father not being able to do this very well, given how his hands worked. But he had tried to shove it all back inside and it was, it was just destroyed. But I remember looking at that, and my heart sank. I thought, oh, man, what have I done? I got so angry at my dad, and my dad tried his best to, to stuff the stuff back in the mold. I just felt absolutely horrible. So he, uh, so I, and I said nothing to him. 
but I never forgot. So you flash forward to, um, I was in first year university at it was called Malaspina College back then in Nanaimo, and I was in English 100. And if you've, any of you have taken English 100, you have to do poetry. I hate poetry. And I've only ever written one poem in my whole life. And if you want to laugh at me, here's your moment. I am no poet. But uh, this was the, the prof says, why don't you write about something that really means something to you? And so I wrote a, uh, a poem about my dad, and it's called You Are Remembered. Here's how it goes. It was a little thing, but oh so big. And he wrecked it, destroyed, mutilated beyond repair. Accidental, though. A life-shattering moment. Regretted words, regretted actions. But he fixed it. Never worked again, but he fixed it. Love men's all. What words can portray it? None. New outlook, opened eyes, never the same, just admiration. Guilt helped me find the words. They never came, and he doesn't know. Or does he? Yes. My vision of him. Um, how would you feel if you were, if somebody suffered for you? How do you feel? That's as close as an experience I have of being suffered for. Of, uh, of me doing the, of doing something and somebody giving back to me the opposite of what I deserve. The opposite of it. How do you feel about being suffered for? You saw those pictures. You read Isaiah 53. And all of that scarring, all of that pain, all of that humiliation was for you and I. So let me ask you, do you think you're that bad that somebody would have to look like that? Does it seem maybe a little bit of an exaggeration that the way that you've behaved, the things that you've done, Maybe God's kind of overreacting. You say, not that bad. I don't need somebody to look like that to give me access into the kingdom of God, to give me a relationship with God. I, I don't, not that bad. Or are you that loved that, that God fully sees who you and I are sees you in a way that I don't know if we've ever seen ourselves. I remember looking at that mold with the stuff stuffed into it. And I remember thinking, I'm ugly. Like, all my father has ever tried to do is love me. And this is my response to him. Who am I? And it gave me a glimpse into the evil in my heart. Just a small glimpse. But what else it did is it gave me an, a window into my father's heart. And what if that mutilated picture of Jesus Christ isn't the most graphic 
picture into the heart of our Heavenly Father. I would do anything for you. I would do anything. But you know, maybe we're suspicious of God's motives. Uh, nobody gets suffered for like that. We all know that when somebody does something sacrificial for us, they're expecting something back in return. I remember the first time that this hit me. I was living in Port Alberni. I came to visit my cousin. I was a, uh, a young adult at this point in the big city of Vancouver. And uh, I took her out for a movie. And so um, we go up to pay for the movie. And I say to her, please, let me, uh, let me buy this for you. And so I buy her a ticket. And as we're walking into the movie theater, she says, you know, I never let a man buy my movie ticket. Because I know if he paid now, I'm going to have to pay later. And he's going to expect things from me that I don't really want to do. And I remember thinking in that moment, I just, I'd never heard anybody talk like that before. And I thought, this is, so you have to spend your life being guarded from kindness. Because in your world, nothing's for free. And in your world, the greater the, the, greater the act of kindness towards you would just mean the greater debt you would have to pay later. And it, it really shook me. It was such a, an innocent moment, but it shook me. But the truth is, in spite of all of our ugliness, our poverty, our enslavement, our imprisonment, our oppression, in spite of all of that, God counts it a privilege to die for his sons and daughters. And the thing that we have going for us is the thing that I had going with my dad is he would do anything for me for one simple reason. I'm his son. He would do anything for me. And we have an almighty God who did do anything and everything for us. In a culture that hates pain, if you've noticed that about our culture, unless you're working out, anything else hates pain. Uh, suffering is illogical. Nobody, nobody, there, there's no honor, it seems, to suffer. But Jesus expressed his radical love for us by suffering. And he suffered in such a way that there was no guarantee of reciprocity. There was no guarantee that the suffering that he gave, that we would respond and love him, come close to him in gratitude, thanksgiving. No guarantee of that. Romans chapter 5 says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. What an incredible, incredible statement. What an incredible statement. That God's uh, sacrifice was not out of some, wow, you're amazing. It's, you're my son. You're my daughter. I'll do anything to be reconciled to you. I'll do anything to be restored to you. If you're a parent, you have a glimpse of what that means. Listen to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. For the joy set before him, 